Imagine your wedding day on white marble floors beneath crystal chandeliers and exquisite ceiling drapery. Nestled on Long Bay Point Marina in Virginia Beach, the Gala 417 is a modern and luxurious waterfront wedding venue with all-inclusive packages, award-winning catering packages, and a dedicated team of gala girls to assist you every step of the way. The Gala is the perfect place to say, I do. Your dream wedding is just a click away. Learn more at thegala417.com. You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's very late here um, up in the north, and it's cold. And pain is not my friend today. So I thought I'd try and distract myself a little bit by bringing you some more sighting reports. Um, and tonight's podcast is centred around one of the many questions I'm asked, and we've been covering those questions in the last couple of podcasts. And one of them is, do I think that the government or the army have any knowledge of these cryptid creatures. Um, well, there's a case reported on Dartmoor by a doctor at the hospital there of a wild man who was hair-covered and naked. And it was in 1940s, and he was brought into the hospital after being captured on the moor. He was shackled and given the injection meds to calm him, and he was taken away by 10 police officers and was never heard from again. And we have to assume if this story is true then the answer to the question is yes. I wanted to look and see just how many accounts we had that were on military of defence land. Oh, we're very close to MOD land that could be accessed stealthily using underground tunnel systems or our rivers and streams. One of the most famous bases here in the UK, which is known as Britain's Roswell, is um, close to RAF Woodbridge and it's situated close to Rendlesham Forest. And the unexplained incidents that happened there took place in December of 1980. And many of you will know them. And I'm just going to go across them briefly because I'm sure you've heard them many times before. At around 3am on the 26th of December 1980, a security patrol near the east gate of RAF Woodbridge saw lights descending into nearby Rendlesham Forest. The servicemen initially thought it was a downed aircraft, but on entering the forest to investigate, they saw, according to Captain Holt's memo, what they described as a glowing object, metallic in appearance, with coloured lights. As they attempted to approach the object, it appeared to move through the trees, and the animals on the nearby farm went into a frenzy. One of the servicemen, Sergeant Jim Penniston later claimed to have encountered a craft of unknown origin while in the forest. Another member, Burroughs, reported a noise like a woman that was screaming and also that you could hear the farm animals making a lot of noise. Captain Holt heard the same noises two, night la two nights later, shortly after 4am. The local police were called to the scene, but they reported the only lights they could see were those from the Orfordness Lighthouse some miles away on the coast. Now, after daybreak on the morning of the 26th of December, the servicemen returned to a small clearing near the eastern edge of the forest 
and found three small impressions on the ground in a triangular pattern, as well as burn marks and broken branches on nearby trees. At 10.30am, the local police were called out again, this time to see the impressions, which they thought could have been made by an animal. On the 28th of December, the deputy base commander, uh, who I earlier mentioned, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt, visited the site with several servicemen in the early hours of his 28th. The party took radiation readings in a triangle of depressions and in the surrounding area using a standard US military radiation survey meter. It was during this investigation that a flashing light was seen across the field to the east, almost in line with the farmhouse. It was the same light as witnesses had seen on the first night and the Orfordness lighthouse is visible further east in the same line of sight. Now later, according to Lieutenant Holt's memo, three starlight lights were seen in the sky, two to the north and one to the south, about 10 degrees above the horizon. Holt said the brightest of these hovered for two or three hours and seemed to beam down a stream of light from time to time. Now, Rendlesham Forest is known for more than just the strange experience we've just discussed. There are also many reports of animal kills, animal mutilations, cat claw marks on trees, and on one occasion, what has now become known as the Rendlesham Bear. One of the people who saw the creature was Jenny Pierce, who said, I was in the green at Rendlesham Forest, having a picnic with my three-year-old son and his friend's family. After the picnic, we stayed to play and explore. While we were in the forest, I saw a large animal moving through the trees ahead. And I thought it was a big dog. So I picked up my son because he was never really got into dogs. He was quite scared of them. But as it continued away from us, it was clearly not a dog. It was much bigger and there wasn't anyone there to be walking it, if it was a dog at all. Another gentleman, Nick Deptford, added, I seen some sort of animal in Randleshire Forest this weekend. And the people in the forest say that it could be a deer or a dog, but it was much bigger. It was more like a bear. Although I don't think we have bears here in the UK. Now, one of our oldest accounts of a wild man being captured here in the UK happened in the 16th century. And he was known as a wild man of Orford Nuss. Like many other characters of folklore, he stayed away from people. He was big and heavy and very hairy. He had a human face, but he could only make grunts or cries and he couldn't speak. Where the wild man of Orford is different is that he came out of the sea and was caught up in a fisherman's net. And this is why he's sometimes called a merman. Now, a merman is usually a character who is a human from the waist up, but has a fish's tail. But the wild man was described much differently. The wild man of Orford is sometimes shown in pictures with a fish's tail, although there is nothing about him having anything fish-like about him. In most cases, he's described as hair-covered, with a beard that ran to his knees. He was well-bodied and could utter only grunts. In the first writings about the event, I think when they say well-bodied means he was of muscular build, Later descriptions sometimes talk about webbed hands or feet. But I feel this may be a case of cat's whispers. Unlike the woodwolves of old, in many tellings of the tales, facts begin to change along with descriptions, events and the imaginations of the people that tell them. But if you were a seven foot giant hairy specimen, 
you may be an escapee from one of those facilities that we were talking about earlier. Warren Port, who was a founding member of BBR, had done some remote viewing of our forest friends and he'd seen two of these creatures in the hands of the military. One of a dead individual lying on the banks of a river and the military were going in to pick up and retrieve the body. And one was an imprisoned individual alone, like the mild man of Orford, trapped for eternity by a government who I yet to admit we have large cats on the prowl let alone giant hairy hominids with superhuman strength and the ability to blend with their surroundings when needed. Maybe speaking about these areas and events, I may make myself a target for the MIB that are already being reported in the sighting areas. Researchers have seen the same cars and individuals, even when they frequent areas, they went to on a whim. How's that possible? Black or blue vehicles with sometimes a single occupant or on some occasions two gentlemen of military bearing and the look of individuals you would not want to avoid, one witness described them as, as you would want to avoid, I apologise. One researcher never tells anyone where he's visiting that day. And at the beginning, it was to keep other people from visiting the area and leaving false clues. Now, it's because when he visits the area of the dogman creatures he sees, there is an individual who is usually there before him, and as the car will always be in the car park before he arrives. How does the driver know where to wait? It's just one of the puzzles of this case. There is also accounts in Tetford of the police searching the logging roads up and down, and, and another one of a very strange car that had a gentleman in that was sat behind one of the witnesses and seemed to be following them. Now, another area that many of you will know is the RAF Alconbury. And there is a creature down there, depending on who you ask, that is either called a hard stand monster or the standing wolf. Now, I'm very lucky because the, the account that I'm about to read to you now was passed on to me by Chris Huff. Um, and many of you will know Chris because he's a writing and researcher of all things strange. And he came across a story when researching accounts for his work into the paranormal accounts across the UK. And it's from a gentleman who's telling Chris about his father's experience. I almost fell out of my chair when I read your intriguing story and the account of the hard stand monster at RAF Alconbury, Chris. Just tonight, my father shared with me his stories about the base and it prompted me to do an internet search that brought me to your message. I think you'll find my father's experience at the Air Force Base in the early 70s very interesting. He was the NCOIC of a group of three men and their dogs. He was charged with guarding the bunkers within a large fenced area. I believe that nuclear warheads were stored beneath many of these bunkers. One foggy night, my father got a radio call that there was an intruder within the perimeter and that shots had been fired. He tore out in his truck and he sped towards the location of the shooting. Upon seeing a figure in the fog, he pulled over, thinking it was one of the guards. He rolled down his window and was screamed at full in the face by what can only be described as a man-like bipedal creature. 
My father nearly... You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow. Over 275 courses. That's right. In local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses. Courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. Soiled himself in fear. In an instant, the thing ran off at incredible speed and my father drove after it. Within moments, it had sped past another of the guards who also fired upon it. He missed due to the fact that he was practically dragged backwards by his guard dogs who were yelping and straining to flee in the opposite direction. The third guard and his dogs were running towards the scene when they turned the corner of a bunker, only to be intercepted by the creature running at full speed. As his dogs wailed, the thing hit the taut leashes and pulled them away from his grasp, lacerating a good deal of skin from the unfortunate man's forearm in the process. My father and these men witnessed the creature make fantastic running bounds across the grounds before leaping over two tall, well-spaced barbed wire fences in a single bound and it disappeared into the surrounding woods. Now, my father's description of the creature is a little vague, but in his defence, he only saw it briefly and, as he puts it, the whole situation was fast, confusing and very difficult to process. It was hairy, approximately five foot nine in height, and had intelligent human-like eyes. It had a flat nose and large ears, and the teeth were large but not fanged. The lower face was rounded in a way that suggested the look of a walrus almost. The face was narrower on the eyes, but the head flared out again at the top had very muscular frog-like thighs, and he believes, but is uncertain, that it has a reverse articulated legs like a horse. Interestingly enough, my father also shared with me what I think is the same tale of the phantom jet that you described, Chris. Like you, he got the story second-hand, but in his version, the mechanic involved did not die, but instead he lost his sanity after witnessing the hard-stand monster and was eventually kicked out of service, having seen this creature with his own eyes, and he fully believed the account. Now, RAF Alkenbury itself has many reports of an upright, hairy human creature, described as either a werewolf, a standing wolf, 
or a human ape. You want to run off when spotted into the northern woods at the back. Now, the woods, I think, are called uh, Monk's Wood. I have reported on these accounts, but thanks to Chris, I was able to find other reports that from serving American soldiers who returned to the USA and reported their encounters with the hairy hominid, and of British men who have served at the base who have also reported the same creature. A mechanic who was carrying out some routine work to an F-5 aircraft parked on the runway, a job that should have been completed in an hour, when he failed to make a telephone call requesting a lift back from the hangar, a search went out to find him. They found him sitting in the aircraft, as white as a sheet, with the canopy closed. Although I asked him many times what it was that he'd seen, he declined, saying that it frightened him so much that he refused to go anywhere near the location again. We discovered from another source that the man had seen a terrifying hairy humanoid which had walked past the aircraft. Now, Dennis Prisbe, who was stationed there between 1973 and 75, told of his colleagues who saw a creature near the north side of the airfield. That's where the woods are that the other witness described um, just a little earlier. Now, one sighting of it scared a colleague so much that he jumped into the cockpit of an aircraft and refused to get out. And I think that's referring to the gentleman we've just been speaking about. The creature was also seen climbing over a security fence and entering the north woods. Wesley Upchagrove, who has also saw the humanoid's creature and said he had tried to pursue it in his truck, he described it as five foot nine, with eyes like a human, a flat nose and large ears. Sergeant Lee and Sergeant Jackson, one night while on patrol with their two dogs, they saw some movement near the towers and called the main gate to check if any workmen were still on site. As they approached the tower, they came face to face with a hairy figure. The dogs stopped in their tracks, absolutely terrified, frantically trying to get away. The truck arrived just in time to see the creature, whatever it was. It was climbing over the security fence where it was last seen entering the North Woods. One chap reported in a paranormal blog, I encountered a werewolf, for lack of better description, in England. It was around 1970. I was 20 years old and I was stationed at RAF Alkenborough. I was in a secure weapons storage area when I encountered it. It seemed shocked and surprised to have been caught off guard and I froze in total fright. I was armed with a three eight and never once considered using it. There was no aggression on its part and I could not comprehend what I was seeing. It was not human. It had a flat snout and large eyes. Its height would be approximately five feet and its weight was around 200 pounds. It was very muscular and thin. It wore no clothing and was only moderately hairy. It ran away on its hind legs and scurried over a chain link fence and ran deep into the dense wooded area adjacent to the base. I was extremely frightened, but the fear developed into a total commitment of trying to contact it again. I was obsessed with it. I was able to see it again a few weeks later at a distance in the wooded area. I watched it for about 30 seconds as it slowly moved through the woods. 
Another gentleman said in 1978, I was stationed with the US Air Force in West Germany and I was sent to RAF Alconbury in England for a 30-day temporary duty. When I mentioned to a co-worker I was going to RAF Alconbury, he told me that he'd been there in 72 when one of the aircraft mechanics in his squadron had been found late one night in the back seat of an RF-4C Phantom jet, supposedly after he had died of fright. The story was that a subsequent investigation revealed unexplained scratches on the glass of the canopy of the jet, and they started a rumour circulating that the unfortunate crew chief had been the victim of what came to be known is the infamous hard stand monster. Just at the back of the base, and these north woods that they mention over and over again, as I say, it's called Monk's Wood, and it's followed north by a number of nature reserves. And if you follow those nature reserves, you come to the fens, and we have an account at Whole Fen of wood knocks from a gamekeeper. And for anybody who doesn't know what the fens are, they're kind of wetlands. Um, Britain's uh, natural habitat, absolutely fantastic place if you're into birds and wildlife. Get yourself down there. And as I say, just above Monkswood, there's lots of nature reserves. Home Fell is one of them. And he said, I, I recently was down at Home Fen, which is an area of special scientific interest and an area which I have visited hundreds of times. Now, the area of science, special science interest comes up so often, consistently, and I will just speak about it later on when we're discussing MLD land. It tends to happen that areas where we've had a sighting account or a series of sighting accounts suddenly becomes an area of special scientific interest and you're not allowed down there anymore. Now, the woods here are diverse and full of silver birch. Lots of bird life, there's lots of oak trees and wildlife abounds with many species of native animals. The area is fisheries and the Great Fen is, fifth, is a 50-year project to create a huge wetland area, one of the largest restoration projects of its type in Europe. The landscape of the fens between Peterborough and Huntingdon is being transformed for the benefit of both wildlife and people. Oh, I'm just taking my payment and I'll just drop one. Never mind. Never mind. When I was there, he said, I heard knocking on the trees. Sorry about that. Pain's getting better of me. I just want to take my medication. A distinctive knocking, and it was a double knock, which I now know was not deer or humans messing about. The knocking sounded like wood on wood, as if someone or something was knocking on the tree. It stood out, and I think it was meant to. I have a background in gamekeeping, so I'm used to the usual noises you would hear outdoors in nature. This was different, and it stood out. What I heard was unusual enough. I felt very uneasy when I heard this sound. It intrigued me and worried me at the same time. As I was walking, I kept looking everywhere, but all I could see were monk-jack deer, which seemed to be acting in an uneasy manner, almost unsettled. I keep visiting this site and I will continue to do so, as I am sure that something strange happened on this day, something out of the ordinary. Now, another area owned by MOD is Salisbury Plain, and many of the Brits will know this one. 
and the military training area there covers roughly half of the plane. The Army first conducted exercises on the plane in 1898, and from that time, the Ministry of Defence has bought up large areas of land right until the Second World War. Now, the MOD is now owns about 150 square miles of land in that area, making it the largest military training area in the United Kingdom. Of this, around 39 square miles are permanently closed to the public and access is greatly restricted in other areas. So these areas of military defence really could be a vestige um a last vestige of places that humans are not allowed on. And our wild men, wild creatures, canine creatures, could be using them to just hide away. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As of 2016. The largest camps and barracks at um, Salisbury are Larkhill, Bulford, Tidworth, Trenchard, Lines, and Uphaven and Warminster. Now, several installations have been built and since removed. So, there used to be an old railway line there and an aerodrome that was constructed right next to Stonehenge. So, in 1943, the village of Imber and the hamlet of Hinton Parva were evacuated to allow training for Operation Overlord to be conducted. Now, whilst the inhabitants of Hinton Parbury were allowed to return at the end of hostilities, Imber Village has remained closed to this day, except for an annual church service and some bank holidays. Nobody's ever moved back to that village because they haven't been allowed to. I wonder why. Now, there are many tunnel systems under Salisbury Plain that were used during World War II. And here's an account from 2002 from an army um, personnel. The Salisbury Hairy Eight Man figure, 2002. The army see a creature on Salisbury Plain. The witness report came in from George Price. And it said, um, George Price, however, reported something which had lived in his mind as clear as day for eight years now. 
So it must have been taken in 2010, maybe. Oh, no. 2019. Give over, Deborah. Yeah, that's how much pain I'm in. <laughs> Get me out to work. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Never mind. Right. Forget that one. We'll start again. George Price said, we were on exercises on Salisbury Plain. I was the commander in the turret of our tank and we were advancing to contact our warriors. I was scanning the landscape when I turned to my five o'clock and I looked right at a large ape-like figure. It looked scared because of the noise from the engines and the tanks that were moving at speed all around. I couldn't believe my eyes. So I punched my gunner to look at it because he couldn't hear me over the engine. We both saw it run into nearby prickly shrubs. Its fur was similar to an orangutan in colour and the length and flow of it was the same. It looked like black or darkish in colour. Its face looked black or darkish in colour, sorry. So its fur was orange and its face looked black. But I couldn't see the facial features being too high on an angle above it. It was more its gait that stood out, the way it moved. It was very fast and it seemed to run with large strides. Its height was impressive too. It must have been six foot plus, but it seemed to run with its back low, bent over, and we've discussed this crouched position before. It was an amazing sight to see, he said. It disappeared into the shrubs. I kept staring at the spot as my tank was moving away, but it never emerged again. It was as if there was a hole below the bush and it had dived into it. I observed the area at a distance for a while via the tank's optics, but nothing else was seen. It must have been terrified to move with half of the British Army tearing Salisbury Plain up. I told my superiors as soon as we stopped, but it was laughed off, so I never mentioned it much after that. I did ask my gunner about it and he said that he'd seen it, but not well enough to describe it. Now it's bothered me to this day, so I thought I would share it with you and I wish I had stopped to see it now. It was right next to me. It was very strange. And when I put that report out on YouTube, um, George's granddaughter got in touch with me and she was really glad that I'd shared it and she said that he stuck to it all of his life. He never changed his story and he was absolutely convinced that he saw a creature on Salisbury Plain that day. Now, not too far away, as many of you know, is Stonehenge. Now, at Stonehenge, we get lots and lots of phenomena, uh, lights, craft, and would you believe it, a seven-foot-tall alien? In March 2011, 9,000 secret UFO documents were released by the British government, which confirmed that Stonehenge had a long history of UFO sightings behind it. As far back as 1670, there were reports that somebody had seen a strange ghost near the stones. When the witness asked if they were, the, asked the ghost if they were good or evil, it declined to comment. The story goes that it just disappeared, leaving behind an unusual smell. A strange aroma are often to be found in UFO-related incidents, and they're also found in Bigfoot incidents as well, that smell. And you think demonologists mention this horrible, sulfur-like smell? So in July of 1877, locals reported seeing strange lights in the sky over the stones. Fast forwarding to the 20th century, there is a case from August of 1957 
when the military were enacting war strategies on Salisbury Plain. As we're getting ready to accrue in one of the tanks, reported seeing a large silver cigar-shaped object upon which the tank opened fire. A few years later, in 1968, Arthur Shuttlewood, a local journalist and prominent figure in the Warminster, Thing phenomenon, so he saw a UFO close to the ring of fire that emerged from the stones. In August of 1971, a group of friends, named as hippies by the newspapers, visited the area and planned on spending the night. At around 2am in the morning, a horrible thunderstorm came, accompanied by severe lightning. Two witnesses saw a bolt of lightning strike the Stonehenge stones, covering the entire area in a strange blue light that was so bright they couldn't look at it. They could hear the hippie campers screaming, and when it was all over, they ran over to help, assuming they'd find the hippies injured or burned. They found no one. Everyone had vanished. That blue light is also mentioned at the Devil's Elbow in the Peak District. In 1987, about a dozen eight police officers were on summer solstice duty on site on the 21st of June on the Henge. For many years now, there's been a heavy police presence at Stonehenge during the solstice, and this was no exception. Officer Phil Hutchins described how they had seen a strange object circle in the sky throughout the night in a methodical zigzagging motion as though it was mapping out the area. On the 18th of November 1990, a young couple had been visiting relatives and they were driving home at about 8.30 that night. They decided to stop off and have a look at Stonehenge. I'm not entirely certain, but I don't think Stonehenge was quite so off-limits in those days as it is now. At one time, it was possible to walk freely amongst the stones. And the couples noticed an eerie orange light coming from a clump of trees nearby. And the light emerged and began to track their car as they approached the stones. As they neared the stones, the car headlights illuminated a band of fog. And I've often seen mysterious fog panks appear in the UFO cases, says the journalist who wrote this. When the couple got out of the car, all was still. Then they noticed a tall figure standing next to one of the stones. It sounds like something out of the day the earth stood still. The beam is about seven feet tall and dark and featureless. This disturbing vision came plodding purposely towards them. Understandably, the couple ran back to their car and the figure kept on coming and it reached the car just as the couple drove off. This whole incident happened in slow motion. I like the description, the fact that it's dark and it's featureless and you can't make out any facial features because that comes up time and time again in the reports that I take. And I'm not saying that this was a Bigfoot. What I'm saying is people who report all kinds of phenomena talk about not being able to make out the facial features, even looking eye to eye. They can't actually tell you the facial features. And I don't know if that's shock from the event or that the memory is affected in some way um, or by someone, shall we say. Now, the next story is even more bizarre and, if true, even more unsettling. On the 19th of April, 1993, air traffic control at Presswich reported seeing a UFO flying four times faster than Concorde and the object was also picked up at 
Gatwick Airport as it rapidly sped over the country. Meanwhile, Captain Fadola Park of the Egyptian Royal Army Intelligence was busy conducting manoeuvres on Salisbury Plain when suddenly he was instructed to go to Blackheath, about three miles away. Upon arrival there, they found a four-legged round object, which is 60 feet by 40 feet approximately, which seemed to have been damaged on landing. They were instructed to secure the area. The captain noticed two figures standing on the top steps of the object. They were about three and a half feet to four feet tall and had slanting eyes and very thin arms. They made no attempt to communicate. And within 50 minutes, a USAF Sikorsky helicopter arrived and airlifted the object away. Now, in 20th of November 2012, I received an account from a lovely lady and she was travelling on the A303 <clears throat> some years before. And I often find that one of the videos or accounts will trigger a memory for others. Um, and for me and the team, that's what keeps us going with the witness accounts and reports, to be honest, is you put one out, another one comes in, and that's exactly what happened in Salisbury. So in doing a map check of this area with many of the figure sightings, so we could expect, we should be seeing audio accounts and people experience the feeling of being watched and howls and growls, and we've discussed that before. So this audio count fits in just right with the other sightings in the area. And you've got sightings um, of two impossible creatures at Salisbury. You've got the Grove Lee Wood sightings and a number of them. Um, and the Chimera as well. And she says, I would like to thank, I would like to thank Jean Purchase for allowing me to add this to the map and the database. And without witnesses like Jean coming forward, we would not have all the accounts we have today. So here's Jean's account. <coughs> Pardon me. After watching some Bigfoot reports, something came to mind that I'd forgotten all about. It was about four or five years ago when my partner Ian and I were driving back from visiting our daughter in Brighton. The sat-nav sent us all around the houses and we ended up on a minor road that we were just not familiar with. But eventually we found our way back to the A303. It was cold, dark and very foggy. And Ian stopped in the lay-by, <coughs> surrounded by countryside. We must have been very close to Salisbury Plain at this point. <coughs> oh, dear me. My husband got out for a smoke and to stretch his legs, because he'd been driving for a while at this point. He wasn't out of the car for a minute, but he soon got back in saying, I'm not staying out there any longer. <coughs> oh, pardon me. There's a very odd noise. And to be honest, I could hear it too. Anyway, he got spooked and I got spooked and we couldn't wait to drive away from there. I honestly don't know what it was. Oh, I think I'm dying. <coughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it, if I died on air? Right, let's get back into this one. I honestly don't know what it was. The feeling of dread was very strong and unusual for us. So we drove away quickly and afterwards we put it out of our minds. We didn't recognise the screeching sound, but I know it wasn't a fox or a deer call. It could have been an owl, I guess, but no one I've ever heard before. It's funny looking back on it, but I just remembered how spooked we were. It makes me wonder what it really was. 
We both grew up in the rural area, so we're used to the normal animal sounds and calls. And neither of us don't scare easily. It was about five minutes drive from the A303 and it happened. And as I mentioned earlier, there is an account at Grovely, um, the Grovely Wood Creature. And the witness's name was Keisha. Um, and I think this is one of the ones that went to Ian Jennings, if I'm correct. And she says, I was out riding in Grovely Wood, Salisbury, Wiltshire. And it was just about getting dark. So I would say around dusk, I was on the horse and my mum was walking along beside me, about 50 metres ahead of us. It was a very tall, large, dark figure. I thought it was too big to be a person, around perhaps two and two and a half, three metres tall, though we were relatively far away. But like I said, it was around 50 metres away, perhaps a bit less. So I'm not entirely sure of his height. But he looked much bigger than a human male. And when the creature moved, it was in a non-human way. It moved with speed that was incredibly human-like inhuman-like, and it moved with a sort of loping stride. When we were at the spot I'd seen it run off, I noticed then there was no way a human could have escaped that fast, especially through the trees and scrub, since it was quite thick in there. Unfortunately, I did not have time to investigate any further, since my mum was a little freaked out and she wanted to get away from the area. She told me earlier on the ride that she'd found half a day when she was out a few days ago, she said it had been ripped to shreds. Although thankfully it was gone when we were at that part of the woods where she'd found it. From what I saw, I would say, I think what I saw was a Bigfoot creature. But would Bigfoot go for something like a deer? The strange thing is, my horse didn't spook, which is strange. Since she's generally quite a nervous animal. Could this still have been a Bigfoot if my horse didn't react? Two upright, impossible things. I've been looking for somewhere I could report a strange incident from last month that happened not too far from Stonehenge, and this was in um, 2018 when I took this report. Myself and my mother saw something that we just cannot explain. It was quite far away, so I didn't get a close look at the face or anything. But you could tell it wasn't people. And I'm used to seeing cows and farm animals from farm away because there's animals everywhere in Salisbury. As you drive, you get used to seeing animals or wildlife in the fields. But these were not cows or sheep. These figures stood out as odd. They were two really big figures in a faraway field that were standing upright and striding along quite fast together. One was light brown in colour and the other was darker. They were moving at a fast pace away from us, and we were both so shocked, and we keep asking each other if we both definitely saw that. At the time, I was in the car with my mum, and we were driving back from somewhere, and I just wanted to stop and get out and have a cigarette. And mum decided to come out with me to stretch her legs and get some air. And we were just looking out into the countryside and talking. When we saw these two huge figures... Walk out in front of the faraway bushes. They hadn't moved, we would never have seen them. They walked from behind the bush and they were heading, it looked like, to the next clump of trees. It felt like they were in our line of sight for a good minute or so before they moved behind another bush in the field and we couldn't see them again after that. When they reached the tree cover, they just went, they just vanished. 
We looked for a while, but they didn't come back this way. I know what people say, but they were much bigger than any cow that I have ever seen, let alone a human. Even from that distance, you could see they were walking along at a fast pace. Definitely stood up right on two legs. It was just crazy. How can we have seen this in Salisbury? It was afternoon, about three or four o'clock, so the light was good. It hadn't gone dark yet, and it must have been towards the end or the middle of Feb 2018. I'd never really been into anything like this, but since I saw that, I just can't explain it. I really want to find out more, to be honest. It looked like two eight-men type things. Sasquatch, it said on your page. I'm not sure you what you would call them, but the Sasquatch picture I've seen looked pretty close to what I saw that day. But that's impossible. Has anyone else seen anything like this in the area? Well, I know a few of the reports around the plane, and of course the well-known Salisbury Chimera was reported in most of the UK newspapers. And as we head up north, no, not too far from me actually, we go to Holcombe. And many of you will know Holcombe without realising there used to be a television programme on many years ago called The Krypton Factor. And everybody watched it and there was um, an army assault course in it. And where that assault course was is in Holcombe on Holcombe Moor. It's right at the top of the airwell. And anybody who follows my work will know that the airwell to me is a very important route. Because there are a number of, we will call them bipedal hominid sightings on that airwell route. And the closer we get to Holcombe, we get rid of the distance between Manchester and Boland, Boland, the Forest of Boland. So it's an ideal crossover point, I would imagine. And with it being Ministry of Defence land, I would imagine it makes it really easy to manoeuvre at night. Now, way up on Holcombe Moor is the Army Training Centre, as I've just said, and lots of land owned by the MOD, and it's posted with danger signs, so it's not accessible to your average human. But as this area is very close to the source of the River Earl, as I said, and the many British mileman sightings, I recently got back in touch with a witness to see if they would appear in the documentary that Chris Turner made, Elusive. But sadly, ill health prevented him from appearing, but he did manage to fill me in a little bit more on the details, as the original account was taken by Adam Bird, um, my partner at the time, not partner, part, you know what I mean, founding member of uh, British Bigfoot. Um, and Adam, as I say, Adam Bird took this account way back in 2013. I was in contact today with an ex-service personnel who wished to tell me about two separate sightings of what he believes is the same creature over an eight-week period in the 1980s. Both happened whilst training up on the hills in Holcombe. And as you can imagine, that to me is incredibly important because I saw my creature in 1982 and the lady who saw it after me saw it in 1984. So the fact that he saw it in the 80s is incredibly important to me and it's on the same route. Now, this is only a short hop from the forest of Boland and it has many different habitats and we've got lots of reports in Boland. Um, it's like windswept hills and peaks, low valleys, it's wooded, it's damp, it's just ideal. But it's an ideal area for the MOD as well. And the land is posted because there are mines and artillery on there. So you don't go on there messing about, not if you're clever. 
Now, the witness was very wary about sharing his accounts with Adam. And it was only some of the information that he was happy to share back at the in the day. But when I spoke to him, he did add a few further details. He added that on both nights, he was on exercise and he was in a position where he was away from the main action and was about 150 and 200 yards on the outer perimeter in a guard position. He was well enough away from the heavy use of blanks and flashbangs that he describes it being very noisy and manic at the time. There was lots of action and noise and he was hoping it would be over quickly as it was cold and damp and they were lay flat in the underbrush, which was also wet and damp. On the first occasion, the person was with another male colleague and they were both wearing armour camouflage and they were doing their best to stay still and concealed. They were tucked in grass that they both noticed movement off in the distance at that point and they became aware of a foul stench on the wind which got worse as it came closer. They hunkered down not knowing what to do in case it was some kind of test or a trick to get them to leave their position so they stayed put and it was at that point the stench was almost too much and they noticed a very large, dark figure approaching them in the darkness. They thought at first it was someone with a huge backpack or kit, as the shape and colour was all wrong, until they realised it wasn't clothed at all. It couldn't see us, he said, and I'm certain it was unaware that we were both there, but it was so hard not to jump up and run off. It was dark, and we couldn't make out anything too much, until this thing hit a tripwire and a flash went off and we could see it for a split second. It turned to run off and we opened fire, even though the guns weren't loaded with blanks. It was just a muscle memory, I would presume. It was very large and it was dark and it was huge across the chest. And I think it had no idea that we were there. We had to stay put until we got the all clear. And then we couldn't stop asking if this was a setup or was it part of the exercise. Now, the next time we had free time, a small group of us set out to see if we could follow its path and find this thing. But other than strange prints that were smeared, we couldn't make out anything. He worried me, to be honest, so I wasn't happy when we had to do it for a second occasion and do a night manoeuvre in exactly the similar situation. But it was winter. By now, and there was snow on the ground. I was with a female colleague, and we were both laid down on the ground in full camo again. We were about 200 yards from the noise and the action. It was almost exactly the same scenario, and I couldn't stop playing it over in my mind, and I was really scared it would happen again. As I'm thinking this, I'm greeted by that rank odour from the road below us this time. It was snowing and a large dark creature was coming uphill towards us. I was so scared. I shouted, and like an idiot, made myself known, and it looked in our direction. Now, the camel must have worked, as it was looking in our direction, but it could tell it couldn't see us, and it started to move closer. When it was about 30 feet away, it pulled up, as this it sensed us, and it snarled and took off running up a hill that was very, very steep. And once again, you couldn't make out much, just the size of the thing and the way it moved. It cleared the hill in about three seconds flat. And this time, my colleague didn't stay put. 
and she was off after it. It was easy to see where it went due to the snow. So we tracked it and it took us 10 minutes at least just to get to the top of the hill. It had climbed so easily in a flash. There were smudged tracks, but there was no sign of it. And we returned to our spot and we waited to return to camp. I'm still not happy about sharing this. And you know how much grief it caused me the first time I shared it. I do, actually. It was really bad. But I do want to know if anyone else saw anything whilst at the camp or on the hill themselves. There was so much MOD land in the UK, we can't be the only serving personnel, he said, that have seen these things. And I do remember how much sticky got, actually. Um, Reading that again. He didn't have a very easy time of it at all. Um, and the amount of questions and ridicule that was thrown at him. But he, he stuck with it. And I'm sure <clears throat> now he knows that he was one of the very first people to come forward, uh, other than George, that was um, an army personnel and had an account. And it's happened since because we've discussed them here. And there are others. And I'll explain a little bit more about that later. But. Our next case is RAF Halton, and it's another area where a short walk away, we have a strange experience reported, and this um, came from a gentleman. I wanted to report something strange that happened when I was walking round Ashbridge Woods <clears throat> in Herefordshire, like I always do, when some odd things happened which I can't explain. I'm not jumping to conclusions, and I've tried to debunk all of this, but up to now, I have ruled out all legitimate possibilities of what you would normally find in those woods. I was walking in there, as I often do, but on this occasion, I had something small thrown at me from the trees. It didn't fall from above, but it hit me as if it had been thrown with a purpose. Not hard, but in the correct direction. It felt like a fir cone. And then while I was pondering this, I heard a low growling. And I just felt like something was watching me. I felt being watched before in these woods. And I've also seen shadows, which with the way my eyes are, I'm not worried about. But the last few times I saw something out of the corner of my eye, it kind of scared me. There was a tree in the pathway, which seemed to have been placed across the track, blocking the trail. I couldn't see any marks from the tree being dragged there by machinery. There's no tyre tracks either. And I was puzzled when I looked around to find where the tree had been. It'd been broken um, to look at at the stump. I couldn't find it and there was nowhere clear to me that the tree had come from. And I looked the whole area over again. I went back there today and the tree's not there now. It's completely gone. And again, there are no tyre tracks on dragging marks or anything. I'm not really sure what growled at me or what sent the pine cone my way. But I'll be keeping visiting it to see if anything else happens out there. Now, as I said, I've not covered every area of MOD land in the UK simply because I don't know all of them. And all the land that they own is vast. So I'm not sure how many accounts there are out there on military of defence land, and you guys might be able to help me with that. Now, that's thousands of acres of land that's put aside for training grounds and manoeuvres. It's rarely manned. It's left to go wild. And there are some of our natural birds and wildlife's last havens. 
is surrounded by wetlands and nature reserves. And like our many prisons, they're in areas of the land that humans rarely walk. And it's illegal to walk on MID land here in the UK, and sometimes, as I've said, highly dangerous. So I've only brought you a small selection of site reports from around these bases themselves. If you factor into the equation all of the underground tunnel systems used by the military, the old smugglers' caves and thousands of miles of unmapped subterranean habitat, we may only be looking at a few straws in the haystack. Now, R.F. Bempton is a familiar name to many of you due to the diligent work of Paul Paul Sinclair and Bob Brown, who've been researching those cliffs for almost a generation. They've got reports of lights, creatures, strange anomalies, missing time, invisible walkers, animal attacks, strange military vehicles that are the norm. I may have missed a whole host of sightings that I should have added here, as I am unaware of them yet, or because they were out of the perimeter that I put it about five to ten miles away on foot, which you are fear dimensional in an origin or not of our earth, and the distance not really come into play. But I wanted to look at the immediate area around the bases just for now. And at a later date, we can follow the routes out of these areas and see how many sighting reports we actually come across along the way. And tonight, I would like to leave you with a report that came to me from Ireland. And it's one of the rare reports where the creature in question seemed to be walking away from what looked like his pursuers, dressed in military camo, and moving with stealth. And it happened in Mulligabane in the Sperry Mountains in 2016. And the witness said, it's, oh, actually, it was the 7th of December 2015. I've been hiking since 2004, mostly alone and all over Ireland in December. And in December 2015, I was in a very remote and isolated area of the Sperrings. I'd walked to three hilltops surrounded by dense forest and I was heading back uphill towards a tree line to my car. When I saw something very tall and large moving faster behind me, about a kilometre away, it was walking, heading downhill towards me on a route that I had just taken. Now, I'm not easily spooked, but when I did not hang about, as I am of the opinion that if it wanted to, it could have caught up with me easily. I have pondered this now for a while, but I haven't a clue what it was to this day. I see people on the hills and the mountains all the time at varying distances, but they were taller than a six-foot person at the distance I saw it. It must have been eight-foot plus. and didn't have a gun, only hiking poles, and I was not about to wait and find out. And my hiking bag now has binoculars added to it in case it ever happens again. I would be interested to know if anyone that had encountered anything strange in and around the Sperring Mountain Range. I have my walk recorded on a GPS unit and I walk all year in all weathers from good to zero visibility and I'm well used to seeing everything appearing out of the mist. But on this walk, I had great visibility and I know about optical illusions and broken spectres and that what lone trees can give when you're walking. I don't know what I saw as I see deer and quad bikes on the mountains regularly with hikers and dogs and runners, depending on where I walk, and this thing stood out. All I can say is, the thing I saw, for want of a better word, was out in the open, following a fence downhill, 
that I had just left in the same direction and it was moving fast and it was on two legs and about eight feet plus easily in height. I'm not one for seeing things, but this was huge and it spooked me. It spooked me big time. I'm now going to carry a monocular when hiking as it's handy to put in your pocket. Even at my age, in my middle 50s, I have only ever seen three badgers in Ireland. So I certainly don't rule out anything in this life. As most wild creatures are very cautious and secretive and rarely seen. I would like to see some camera traps being set up though. I'll send a pic of my route and my approximate coordinates. Now I know there were what seemed to be army personnel or camouflaged hunters in the area that day and I saw them myself and I found this strange. But when I went hiking, they left the areas I was in as if to avoid me. I did see them with a map and they had the map out, which I thought was highly unusual. As the local hunters of game know this area pretty well and they don't usually carry a map. The area I walk in is wet, but it's, there's no river there. It has some very marshy ground on top of my first hill near my starting point up past the two forests. The hill is known as Carnelly West Top and it's about 505 metres high. The big thing that was coming towards me as I left Carnelly West Top that it was walking towards Mulligabane Summit and that's all I can tell you. I actually waited at my car for it coming over the top of Mulligabane as I exited over the summit and I turned left heading west of my car parked on the minor road. Nothing appeared. Not something I wish to repeat again, to be honest. Today, I have walked nearly 300 different mountains in Ireland alone and from one end of the country to the other. So I see a lot of great views and sometimes nothing. But this was totally different. Having walked nearly 50 of the 100 highest in the country, I cannot explain it. Today, I have walked nearly 300 different mountains Oh, I, I'm just repeating myself again now. That's, that's the pain. Year after year, without fail, I hear from witnesses who have returned to the area of their original sighting, only to find it posted as owned by MOD. So large tracts of land bought as our armed forces are reduced. So why this need for more land if the weapons we have are smaller and the number of recruits get smaller every year? What's on that land that is important? Or should I ask who is on that land that is of interest? I speak to people in email and in calls who have suddenly been visited by government officials due to their activities on MOD land. And a surprising number of people report bases and bunkers which are now long abandoned close to their childhood experience, which are suddenly again under guard and lit up like Wembley most nights. Now there are hidden installations in the woodlands all over the UK, and we have no idea about them until we stumble into them on research outings and are quickly moved off from the area. And what are your thoughts on the connection between the creatures we see and our government? Why don't you join me and chat about it and share your knowledge of our government secrets? Come into the show and have a chat and let people know what you know. I know that many of you out there have a story of your own to tell, And I would like to be the one to help you to tell it. So, 
Well, thanks for sticking with me through this. Um, not my most professional one, I know, but as I say, it's really late. And um, I can feel my pain mids kicking in now, so thankfully that'll be in the end of my pain for now and I might get some sleep. But it's been wonderful sharing the time with you. So as you say, probably I normally say um, goodbye, but tonight I think I'll say goodnight to all of you and have a lovely sleep and I will see you tomorrow. Good night, everyone. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.